When I was younger, maybe I want to say I was 8 to 10 years old, there was a big, huge town race every year. And in this town race, I'm talking hundreds of kids. All the boys who were my age would line up on that line, and they would run for a mile to see who was the best. It was at Los Anderson Park in Brookline. I never trained for anything. No training. You go off your natural gifts, right? The year before, I placed in fourth without training. And I thought, man, I'm something. I showed up at this race ready to go, set up on the, the front line. And my strategy was... I knew I wasn't gifted always with stamina, but the year before, I had run so hard, I got out in front, and I suffered about a half a mile, but I made it and kind of limped into fourth place. So I said, this strategy has to work again. I took off like a bat out of hell. I was flying. I felt like the whole town of Brookline was looking at me, and I took off. It was a big open field. And what happened was at the end of the big overfill, it began to narrow, and about a hundred or so or more kids, it would narrow off, and everyone began to start getting their stamina and run. As I came close to that narrow road, I said, I got nothing left in the tank. Nothing. So I have asthma, okay? Stamina, endurance, that's never been a gift of mine. I try to get it done quickly so it doesn't go a long distance. As I'm approaching this road, I realize I got no air in my lungs. Though I feel, probably no one was looking at me, but I felt like the whole town and the next town over was watching me run. In my mind, I said, you know what I got to do? I'm going to fake an injury. <laughs> That's the only thing I could. Because my pride wouldn't let me just stop and say, okay, I'm winded. I said, I've got to fake an injury. Here I am, 8 to 10 years old, scheming. So I said, I didn't have much time to think. I said, an ankle spring is the only thing I go for. As the road narrowed, I grabbed my ankle and just kind of fell off the road. Because I was so prideful, I couldn't face people and say, I got nothing left. I can't run this race. I'm done. I don't have the strength. I don't have the endurance. I don't have the stamina. I can't make it. I felt like the grown-ups knew. Guy came over to me, act like he needed help. Are you Okay. I felt I could see it in his eyes. He knew I was lying. But he still acted like he could help me. And I said, man, I messed up my ankle. I can't make it. I would have won. Sometimes following Jesus is the same way. We start to follow God. We start to follow Jesus. We say, man, I need God in my life. This forgiveness is beautiful. I'm going to take off like a bat out of hell. I'm going to go hard. My life is going to change. Things are going to change quick. I'm going to be holy before you know it. But what happens? We get close to that road. It's time to fake an injury. It's time to say, you know what? I don't want to let anyone know, but I'm not strong enough. I don't want to let anyone know, but there's no oxygen left in my lungs. I don't want anyone to know that I can't make it. The beauty of the gospel is... Jesus already knows you can't make it. You cannot make it on your own strength. None of us can. We need the power of the Holy Spirit 
to breathe supernatural oxygen into our spiritual asthmatic lungs. You guys hear me? You cannot make it. And when you try to follow Jesus, when you try to glorify God, when you try to live righteously before God, before God in your own strength, you're going to be constantly faking injuries and not have the strength to endure the end. But I want you guys to hear today, because of the Holy Spirit that lives in all who believe, you will endure to the end and you will reap the inheritance of God. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. So let's read Ephesians 1, 11 through 15. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. So I, t- I pray today as you hear this message, a few things happen, that you understand and look forward to the inheritance that will be received by all those who put their faith in the gospel. I also pray that you will be encouraged that you're going to make it. And I hope you understand more about the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who's working inside of you. And you're encouraged by that. So what is the inheritance? We see, we look, as we're going through Ephesians, you look through the first chapter and you see a lot of, you see unveiling of certain parts of a whole of the inheritance. And I just want to encourage you in this. These were seen through a mirror dimly. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing these words, but it's going to blow our minds. It's going to peel everything that explains here, heaven and the kingdom of God and seeing God face to face and being part of God's people. is going to be so much better than we can even explain here from the scriptures of what is revealed. It's going to blow your, your mind. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what's in store for those who put their faith in Christ and his work. So a few things we see. I want to start here. We see that part of the inheritance is that we will be homely, not homely, you won't be ugly, holy and blameless before God. Now, some of these things might seem like a strange inheritance. Because I don't think there's too many people walking through the streets saying, man, I want to be homely and blameless. Holy, not homely. I want to be holy and blameless. How many times do you hear that in culture? What are you working for, man? Trying to be holy and blameless. You don't hear that, you hear, man, just trying to get mine. Trying to get mine. Trying to be holy and blameless. There's a show on TV I haven't seen, and I just saw some highlights. It's called Strange Inheritance. Has anyone seen that show? People get left these things that they're like, what is this? One guy got left a crocodile farm. I don't know if that's what you're looking for in your inheritance. One guy got 5,000 dolls. Come on now, I don't want 5,000 dolls. One woman got a lamp, and it just was, looked like the ugliest lamp. It was like carved out of wood, and there was something popping up with a bulb in it. And she was like, I looked at this lamp. I said, man, you got to be kidding me. This is what I got? She didn't know the lamp was worth $10,000. Send that lamp my way. Right? Some of us look at, we're going to hear about forgiveness of sins and holy and blameless and being adopted as children of God and all these being redeemed by his blood. And we say, man, that's a strange inheritance because we don't realize the value of it. You guys hear me? 
We don't realize that it's how valuable it is to be holy and blameless because what that gives us access to, because the ultimate inheritance is being in relationship with God for all eternity, because that's what we were made for. There's a beautiful, I actually love it a lot, a commercial. Has anyone seen the True Value commercial when the guy's playing with his son and he's throwing a water balloon at him in the True Value commercial? I think it's genius the way they did it. The slogan is, behind every project is true value. And you see this dad playing with his son. And he's throwing water balloons and they're laughing and they're playing. And he's saying, what they're trying to say is, not the lawnmower that's of the real value. The lawnmower allows you to create the space to be with the ones you love and, and be in relationship. That's the true value. True value isn't just cleaning your yard. It's cultivating it so you can spend that family time with the, peop- with the people you love. And that's why I'm saying this, because being holy and blameless itself is just part of the inheritance, but it's not the true value. So why I want to be holy, holy and blameless, why you want to be holy and blameless, is because it's only through being holy and blameless through the work of the gospel that you can be in relationship with God. You guys hear me? God is so holy, he cannot be in relationship with someone who has not been pardoned of this sin through the work of the gospel. That's why the true value. Behind that work of the gospel is the true value of being in relationship with God. Then the next thing it says, we're pardoned of our sins, of our trespasses, and redeemed through his blood. That in itself is not, that might seem like strange inheritance. What are you excited about? Pardoned through blood. No, sometimes those words don't even ring true. Why being forgiven of our sins is so powerful? Because it means now you can be in a relationship with God and know him as father and you are his child. You are his son, you are his daughter. Part of the inheritance that you are adopted as children of God. Some of us say, big deal. That is the most valuable thing that can happen is that you are adopted by the creator of the universe, the author of love, the maker of family, the first father who all dads come from. That's true value. Behind that project of adopting you, the true value of being with God happens. And also as part of the inheritance that is before us is we'd be lavished with the grace of God and it would be known to us the mystery of God through the gospel. How many of you have felt lavished like God has lavished? We don't use that word every day. Some dude from like New Jersey, one time I posted a picture of how things were going at the church. He's saying, God's just lavishing you lavishing you with grace. I said, man, that's uncomfortable. Stop talking to me like that. What does that even mean? But this, this is a good word. Lavish is like pouring out, just overflowing, just God just pouring all kind of grace that we don't deserve out in our life. And that's what stirs your affections because you don't deserve it. You're saying, man, I'm a sinner. But God keeps lavishing this on me and making known to me the mystery of his will through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all part of the inheritance, but the true inheritance is knowing and being with God. Now, of course, we receive forgiveness now, and we are holy and blameless now through the gospel, and we're adopted as children of God now, and we're lavished with grace, but the unveiling hasn't fully happened until we pass from this life to the next, or Jesus returns. Do you guys hear me? Like we see, once again, through a mirror dimly, but the unveiling of the inheritance of the children's of, children of God, of the saints of God, is going to be unbelievable. It's inheritance you want to get. Right? Because life, 
I always, when talking to older people who are getting ready to pass on, they always say, I mean, 90% of the time, it went by so quick. I blinked and I was 85. I blinked. I thought I had so long, but here I am. We can't just live for this life because it's just, it's passing. Enjoy God in this life, yes. But we live for the life to come. We live for the life to come. Okay. Some people think, I'm not going to make it, right? Some churches will teach you you're not going to make it. Everything they say is like, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) You hear the pastor say something, it's like, man, that that you interpret it in your mind, you translate, that means I'm not going to make it. Like when people say, you have to be this good. Half the people in here say, I'm not going to make it. When you say sinners don't inherit the kingdom of God, 100% of people in here say, I'm not going to make it. Okay, 99%, there's always that righteous, the self-righteous brother thinks he's good enough. You are going to make it because the guarantee is the Holy Spirit. Do you guys hear me? The guarantee that you are going to endure is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are going to make it. Healthy relationships are never built on fear. And that's what a lot of people try to do with religion. Let's scare everybody. Come to the horror show on Sunday mornings at 11. You'll leave so scared. Everyone just, man, I suck. That's the first time I ever said suck. It's Hebrew. (laughs) That got you, Georgie. I haven't seen you laugh like that in a little bit. (laughs) I totally lost my place because I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, but God shows me grace. No healthy relationship is built on fear. When you see abusive relationships and controlling relationships, they're always built on fear. Someone is controlling through intimidation, right? Healthy relationships are built on love and security. So healthy marriages should be built on, this person is never going to leave me. This person is never going to leave me. That's a healthy marriage. The worst marriages are built on, oh man, I, I better have the laundry done today. The yard better look good. I better marinate that piece of meat right. Like, that's a fearful relationship. Love's not built on that. Imagine if you didn't cook dinner right and the marriage was over. I gave you chances. You knew it. I told you how I like it. Right? Imagine marriages were built on this kind of fear and intimidation. It never lasts. It has to be built on love. If you cook my steak bad, baby, we're still going to make it. That's the kind of love that endures. That's why Jesus was constantly saying to his disciples, I, feel, I still feel bad about saying suck. Forgive me, I'm a young pastor. <laughs> we bounce back. This is why Jesus says, no one will ever snatch you out of the hands of my father. Because the disciples came fearfully said, you have nothing to worry about. No one's going to snatch you out of my hands. Then he said, when he was getting ready to ascend upon his resurrection, he said, Behold, I'm with you always as you're doing this mission, even to the end of time. And they were concerned again, but Jesus, you're leaving us. How do we make it? How do we endure? He's saying, I'm sending someone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to comfort you, to cause you to endure. The Holy Spirit 
is the guarantee that you're going to make it. And the Holy Spirit battles against all those voices of fear. What does the voices of condemnation say in our life? You're not a child of God. What does the Holy Spirit say? It bears witness that we are children of God. What does that voice of fear and condemnation say? You're not really forgiven of your sins, especially that one you committed no one knows about. The Holy Spirit says, yes, you are forgiving. It bears witness. He bears witness to the truth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It eliminates fear so you can be set securely to grow and to mature in Christ because the work's already finished. That's when you grow and mature in your relationship with God. Me and my wife went to buy our first house since we bought a home today, Thursday. We finally got a couch. We've had used couch come through. There was a special two years, no interest at Jordan's, and if the Red Sox win the pennant, it's free. Come on now. I'm watching the season now. So we go there, and I am just, when I make any purchase that involves some sort of credit card, that if you don't make the payment on time, they throw all kinds, because I didn't have credit card for years. But I said, I'm not going to have anything if I don't buy stuff and pay it back. I only get no interest stuff. That's how I roll. Go to Jordan's. We pick out this couch, and we got the salesman. They always, I just want a salesman. doesn't seem slick and snaky to me. Like, you know what I mean? I can't find that guy. Does he exist? Like everything, I want him to grab my hand nice, and it's just all slippery. His hair was combed too nice. And I said, man, I don't know if I trust this brother. So we got there. He said, okay, this is the couch you're going to get. Let's do this. When I'm making a purchase, there are 500 questions. And they're not 500 different questions. They're 450 of the same question over and over again, and about 50 put in. So I kept saying to this guy, how do I know there's no interest on this thing? And he said, it says, you know, I said, what do you mean? When will the bill come? When is the bill due? Why are there two separate things for two separate pieces? What will they throw on? And I could see he was getting irritated with me. Because he really did answer it 15 times in a row. I just couldn't stop myself. It was compulsive. I said, you sure? Are you sure? What do you mean? Here we go. Come on. Finally, I said, show me where it says in this contract that there's no interest. So in an irritated way, he took out the contract, went through the whole thing and said, right there, there's the guarantee that you're going to get the culture no interest. Theologically, if you ask me, Pastor Joey, how do you know I'm going to make it to the end? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he will cause you to endure. If it was based on your strength, I'd have bad news for all of you. Joey, you think I'm going to make it? No, man, I've seen you. You are not going to make it. You make horrible decisions. It's the same thing every week. You're ridiculous. That's what I would say. But because of the Holy Spirit, I have confidence that I'll make it and that we will make it. That's where my confidence, that's where the guarantee is. I say the Holy Spirit's working in them. They're going to make it. And you start seeing the fruit of repentance and you see someone fall down, but they get back up. As a pastor, you're like, get them, Holy Spirit. Get him! And it's a beautiful thing to watch, and that's what builds my confidence. That's what guarantees that, man, we're going to see and experience this inheritance. We're going to make it. And the funny thing is, the beautiful thing, the wonderful thing is, you see two times in this text, it says, all for the praise of his glory. Something happens when you're a dad. 
It starts, you start receiving more joy and more pleasure from giving things to your children than getting things. It's a strange, it's a strange thing that happens because you're so selfish all your life. And you're still selfish when you're a parent, but just a little less. But you're so, all your joy until you had kids came from you receiving stuff just for yourself. But all of a sudden you got these little people running around your house and you realize the joy you get when you get to give them things. So I'll stay on the theme of the couch. The couch came, guaranteed. My daughter, Kira, was so excited about this couch. She was overly excited about the couch. She's like, we got a new house. This is like a new living room. And she was so excited. She's like, we're going to have family movie night on this couch. So all week I was like, man, I can't wait. Because on Fridays I prepare the message. And so Natalie works on Mondays and Fridays. So on Friday she goes to work and the kids go to school. And when they come home after, they go to their grandmother's because I'm still working on the message. And they usually get home around 6.30 or 7. So all week I'm like, man, I can't wait to see their faces. My whole family, when they come in and see this couch. It's the little things, folks. It's the little things. So Natalie took long. She ends up showing up at 7.30. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like a dad just waiting. When are they coming through that door? They came through that door, and the excitement. I just wanted to sit back. I already tested out the couch. I sat back, and I was so ridiculous. You get ridiculous, too, as you get older. Like, I've asked to ask my family 50 times all this weekend, how's that couch feel? You like that? Is it nice with the chase? I just couldn't stop asking them because it brought me so much joy. When Kira laid on that, I, I made them all test out the chase. Kira, lay on that. Tell me how it is. Because I just wanted to sit back and enjoy being a father and giving a good thing to my children. Once again, me watching my family enjoy a couch pales in comparison to God, the heavenly, our heavenly father, right? The first dad. Because lack of a better word, sitting back. I don't know if God sits back. But looking at, through the generations since the beginning of creation, all his children who have been redeemed by his blood, made holy and blameless, adopted as children, watching us enjoy the inheritance that he has waiting for us. This is all for his glory. All of us, for all eternity, are just going to revel and rejoice and celebrate our Heavenly Father because this inheritance is going to be beyond what we could even imagine. What we can even imagine. Imagine... Your great-great-granddaddy enjoying the gospel with you who passed away, who was in Christ. Is that going to be awesome? Imagine relatives you didn't even know about from generations back who believed the gospel, who are there with you enjoying the presence of God. It's going to blow our minds. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. But some of you, even after I said all that, said, heaven's not for me. I'm not going to make it. I'm not worthy. Maybe some of you are struggling in so many ways. I don't, we don't know each other's burdens all the time. We don't know what we're going through. Maybe some of you are struggling with your health and no one knows. Sometimes all you have to hear is you're going to make it. I want you guys to hear that from me today. You're going to make it. Some of you are struggling financially like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I want you to hear from me. You're going to make it. Some of you are struggling with fear and anxiety and depression. And it's overcoming you, and you don't want to tell anyone. You're going to make it. The Holy Spirit is going to carry you through. 
There's so many things that could be going on. Your strength could be growing weary. You could be tired. You could feel like, you know what? I don't want to even follow Jesus anymore. I can't do this. You're going to make it. The Holy Spirit is going to carry you. There's always a picture that comes to my mind, and I forget their names right now, but it's a dad who used to run all those marathons with his handicapped child. Hoyt. Hoyt. Is that right? Hoyt. And it always makes me cry when they when they show that. Because I feel like we are the handicapped child through our sin, through our failure, and that we can't make it. But that God the Holy Spirit comes through and he runs that race for us. And the best part about when I watch those videos is the the look on the son's face when he's about to cross that finish line. Because it's like he's running the race. And he's cheering and he's putting his hands. It's unbelievable, the response. And he's not even running it. His dad is running it for him. But just because he's his dad's son, he gets to experience all that. That's what following Jesus is all about. God the Holy Spirit carries us through and we get to experience that victory. We finish the race because he finishes it for us. Amen? It's just so powerful. So I just want to talk about some practical ways that we can understand and grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit better. The first thing you need to realize is God, the Holy Spirit, he is God. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is inferior or subordinate to God the Father and God the Son. God the Holy Spirit is fully and equally God. He always has been and always will be. He is God. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of each and every person who believes. We have access to that kind of power. The Holy Spirit, he is God. To be aware of that and understand that is important. To understand how he functions, God the Holy Spirit, is crucial. How does the Holy Spirit function? He comforts us when we're down. Now, anyone who preaches a Christianity that you're not going to suffer, and you're not going to feel down, and you're not going to feel like giving up, is not preaching a sound theological message. Let me tell you about the Apostle Paul, who wrote this Holy Spirit-inspired epistle. Apostle Paul, first of all, he's rejected by his people. He was a devout Hebrew. They rejected him because he believed in Christ. He was stoned twice and left for dead. Like People just didn't want Paul around. He ultimately was martyred. They ran a sword through him. Done. If you read in Ephesians, I found out a new thing about Paul this time. He fought beasts inside the Colosseum at Ephesus. I like to think he threw a nice divinely uppercut hit a beast. Like this brother was going through suffering. He was going through trials. But still, the Holy Spirit caused him to endure through all those things and obtain that inheritance. He's writing this letter from jail. From jail. That's the time to give up, right? Like, Jesus, I'm following you. What the heck am I doing behind this in this cell? Like, I thought it was light and rainbows. What am I doing locked up for the sake of the gospel? But he still endured through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, when Paul was down, he comforted him. When confused, 
The Holy Spirit teaches us. When we need to be convicted of sin, do you know what the Holy Spirit does? He lovingly convicts us of that sin. We repent of that sin. And then he convicts us of the righteousness that is in the gospel. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He teaches, he exhorts, he comforts, and he causes you to persevere. He causes you to persevere. Live in the reality that he will never leave you. Once again, there's too many unhealthy sermons that believe that you can lose your salvation. How many people... I know the answer to that. Over and over again, growing up, and I say this over, but people need to hear this. You cannot lose your salvation because you didn't earn it. If you teach that salvation is earned, you'll teach that salvation can be lost. Salvation is a gift from God, and we'll get from that in Ephesians 2, so that no man will boast. It's a gift that changed your life. It's undeserved. You cannot lose your salvation. You can live your life out as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, in the security that you will never lose that. That's what makes you more like Jesus. That's why David said, even when I go to the grave, even when I go down in the grave, your presence still will not depart from me. You cannot shake the Holy Spirit. Some of you know that. Because you're saying, man, God's been tracking me down my whole life, and I've been trying to get away. I've been pulling a Jonah my whole life, running and running, and somehow I'm still sitting in this stupid seat. Because God is going to cause you to persevere, and he is never going to leave you. He is never going to leave you. And finally, it's important to hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. How do we hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit? Who wrote the Bible? God, the Holy Spirit. There are times, and I've shared this with some of you, like because I battled anxiety tremendously in the past. There's times when I've had to get up in the middle of the night and go to my favorite text in Matthew 6, where God, Jesus is telling you, do not be afraid. I got it all in control. That's me paraphrasing. And I've had to go to the scriptures, and whether you're bearing fear or depression or wonder if God's going to provide, or whatever that is, I go to that, and I say, i got to read this and hear the words of the Holy Spirit and allow them to permeate my soul right now. Because you hear so many other voices in our, your life, don't you? There's some pe- voices that say, you'll never be good enough. There's some voices even inside you say, I'm not going to make it. There's some voices that say, I'm not worth it, I shouldn't make it. Because of everything I've done, I shouldn't make it. All those kind of voices from the world, from yourself, from other people, all that kind of oppression... It is diminished through the words of the scripture. The truth sets you free. You hear those words, not to fear, and all of a sudden, light comes in and darkness goes away. Hear the words of the Holy Spirit. Don't hear those other voices that are not from God in your life. Go to the scriptures. Restoration Road, you're going to make it. Each one of you, do everything. We're each going to experience the inheritance that is in God. Know that truth. You're going to endure. Let's pray.